0: Pretty big deal campaigning on um, how the Iran deal, the Iran nuclear deal, as it's called, is the the worst deal the United States has ever gotten into. Worst Uh, deal in history. Worst deal in history. They got a whole bunch of money and they get all the benefits or whatever. And so, uh, in theory, he's going to end it today at 2 o'clock? Well, that's what all the intelligentsia are predicting for some reason.
1: Um, and I was our, just looking at the coverage in the New York Times, and the headline is, Trump is expected to
0: leave Iran deal. And several of our allies, Britain, Germany, France, wish we would stay in it, although they might have their own, not necessarily what's best for the world motives themselves, because they have uh, financially profited in dealing with Iran in the past. I believe we have our guest. We have our guest? All right, great. Super. Super.
1: Uh, Please welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show, Ambassador Faisal al-Istrabadi, the former Iraqi ambassador to the UN, participated in the the writing of that country's constitution. He's the director of the Center for the Study of the Middle East at Indiana University and actually served with John Bolton at the UN, uh, so might have some clues as to that gentleman's proclivities. Uh, Faisal, how are you, sir?
2: I'm very well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you
1: again. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's been too long, and it's it's great to talk. So the, the headline, as I mentioned in the New York Times, is Trump expected to announce he is withdrawing the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, what do you think of those predictions? Do you think he will?
2: Uh, it sounds... I mean, uh, you never know. Uh, you know, they used to say that uh, whenever, uh, back when Johnson was president, when LBJ was president, if somebody scooped him and said LBJ has decided to do X, he would deliberately do y just to prove the guy that wrote he would do x wrong wow
1: i could see that
2: yeah that's possible with uh, president trump as well but uh but the indications are that that's where we're headed the last time that the u.s three months ago i think it was certified that iran was a uh it didn't certify that it was in compliance but it made it clear in any event that the u.s was not going to uh go continue with the deal at least that was the indication Now, we've had some European leaders come through, uh, as you suggest, uh, uh, the Germans and the French have come through Washington to try to persuade uh, the president to stay in the deal and perhaps to help them negotiate uh, some improvements to the deal. But the indications seem to be that he intends to withdraw. But you never know. With Trump, he may just surprise us all.
0: Well, would that be a good thing or a bad thing from your point of view?
2: Uh, well, uh, I don't think it would be in the U.S. interest to withdraw uh, because it sends a number of, of signals on other issues such as the Korea file that the U.S. can't really be trusted, that uh, one administration makes a commitment but the next administration feels it's not, feels it's not bound by that. Um, and that's not a good thing signal to send, the U.S. should send more of a signal of stability and reliability than that. Um, Also in the region, um, what does it mean to withdraw? That would make the United States in breach of the agreement. There's no real credible evidence that Iran is in violation of the agreement. Um, And uh, so that makes the U.S. in breach, which means some of the remedies that would be available if Iran were in breach would not be available, such as the automatic snapback of the international sanctions. Um, so it seems to me it does more to isolate the United States uh, than to advance its interests. Um, nobody wants to see a nuclear-armed Iran, that's for sure. Now, that's not in the U.S. interest, it's not in the European interests, and it most certainly is not in the interest of anybody who lives in, in the Middle East. But uh, isolating the U.S. from the international community is not in anybody's interest, either, neither, and in particular not in the American interest, I would argue.
1: Well, what bothers me most about the strategy, and I agree with everything you said, is that there's no way for the United States to reimpose sanctions in any meaningful way when you have literally the rest of the world doing business with Iran.
2: Right, and and if that was sort of part of the deal anyway, and this, the one thing Trump Sort of talks that talked about during the campaign that you alluded to about the, the money, he never was quite clear that the money they got, he made it sound as if the U.S. taxpayer paid the Iranians money. And of course, that's not the case. The money they got was their own money, which was frozen in uh, various bank accounts. Uh, they got access to their own cash. It's not as if the United States or the international community or the Europeans or anybody else paid Iran, you know, their taxpayers' money. It was Iran's own money from oil sales. Excellent point. So, yeah, and so that that's something to keep in mind. Uh, again, nobody wants, and, you know, I'm from Iraq, as you pointed out. I was an ambassador from Iraq to the United Nations. I'm the last person on the planet who wants to see, and uh, any an rational Iraqi would be the last person on the planet who wants to see an Iran armed with a nuclear um, uh, weapon uh and so far the agreement that was uh, negotiated seems to be keeping Iran from developing uh, uh, nuclear weapons the problem is that in about ten years eight years now I suppose parts of the agreement start to come uh, start to uh, uh, to uh, uh, to expire and so it seems to me there is a there's an advantage to everybody um, to to, to negotiate an extension of the agreement. Uh, and maybe some carrots and sticks will be uh, uh, will be offered for that. Trump keeps saying he is the world's best negotiator. We're not sure we have any evidence of that yet. Maybe he is. He's a hell of a lot richer than I am. Um, and maybe this is just a strategy. But uh, uh, I will say that when I was Iraq ambassador and Bolton was American ambassador, he had this, and he now, of course, he's a national security advisor, he had the same approach of unilateralism, and he failed miserably. He was not able to get anything done at the United Nations because he offended America's closest allies. America is the single most powerful country in the world, probably in world history. But even the United States needs allies to move its agenda forward, and you can't just roll over. Uh, you know the countries that are closest to the United States: France, Britain uh canada you you uh, germany you uh, the united states does best when it can coax its allies along and that's when it achieves its interests
0: the stakes are extraordinarily high here this is not just a tv show it's it's easy with the donald trump thing in the news flow to feel like everything's a tv show but right. iran getting a nuclear weapon would be a much bigger deal than north korea having nuclear weapons it would seem to me and that there's no indication there's never been any indication that North Korea has any interest in exporting terror around the world, whereas Iran has been on the list as the number one exporter of terror for forever, it seems. And them having a a bomb would be a big deal, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah, well, look, you're not going to get a defense of Iran from me. Uh, Iran has uh, has been a malefactor in the Middle East for a a long time and has done a lot of harm in the Middle East. Don't misunderstand me. The one thing, however, that I will say that people sometimes I think are mistaken about is to think of Iran as an irrational actor. Iran is a deeply rational calculator of its own interests. So even if it were developing a nuclear weapon, and right now there's no indication that it is violating the what's called the JCPOA, um, there's no indication that it's in fact developing a nuclear weapon as we speak.
0: So they're not so they're they're not so they're such religious crazies that if they had a bomb, no. they would eliminate Israel, even if it meant their destruction. No, no, no. They just feel like no, they'd be no. doing the work of God or
2: whatever. No, 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 no. They are. They are. Look, this is a regime that when it came into and again, I'm no defender of Iran. I I I I'm, I have a deep antip- antipathy to the Iranian um, regime, and how it governs internally is its business. And the people of Iran's business, but, but to its to its uh, to its um, you know malevolent acts outside of Iranian borders in Iraq, in Syria, in Lebanon, and other places around the Middle East. I have a deep antipathy to all of that. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. And uh, the Iranian regime was isolated from the rest of the world uh, when it came to power in 1979. Over the course of the last what, 40 years, it has managed to become a regional player that has that is that has been occupying the attention of the United States foreign policy establishment through you know four or five administrations. This is not a bunch of crazy. The one thing we also know is that um, states uh, are have there is no known instance of states having uh, proliferated weapons of mass destruction to any non-state actor. So the notion that if they get nuclear weapons they'll make them available to terrorist groups i contest because you never know when you proliferate something to a non-state actor you never know they may turn around and sell it to one of your enemies uh they may lose control of it so the, so governments arm non-state actors with uh, you know with bullets and bombs but there's not a known instance of a state actor proliferating a weapon of mass destruction to a non-state of actor, a non-state actor, because it's too disruptive of, of, of the state's own interests. Too, you don't know what could happen.
1: Right. Sure. Final question. We've only got about 30 seconds or so. Do you think the chances of Israel getting into open warfare with uh, Iranian proxies um, is a one in five, one in ten, one in two?
2: Uh, there's probably a pretty good chance that uh, with Iranian proxies, I mean, if they, they or with Iranian allies, let me use that word, they may well come into contact, in, into conflict with them in Lebanon and Syria. I don't think Israel is going to be in direct con- uh, conflict with Iran. I don't think they have the equipment necessary Iran's too far away.
1: Mm, interesting. Ambassador Fazil al Istra'body, Director of the Center for the Study of the Middle East at Indiana University. Uh, it's always great to talk. Thanks for the time.
2: It's a pleasure. Thank you.
1: It's our pleasure. We uh, will see. We yeah. will see. Yeah. So, um, they th- I just, you know, the one criticism that you've heard a lot if you watch the cable news that I think is perfectly legitimate is I haven't heard anything close to a plan B from the Trump administration. I don't, I don't get what do we do if we withdraw from the deal. What then? And, and how does it do us any good? The the deal is not great, but it keeps our enemies
0: closer, as they say. Well, you know, I'm not in charge of America's foreign policy, so they may have an injection that you can lose 14 pounds a month. An injection, okay? And this is this is like some for real science. This isn't like uh, you know something. Well, it's dealing with what we've all learned is these. Natural deficits we've got for trying to lose weight, right? Does it address that crazy stuff? Yeah, I want to yeah, know. Yeah, because I mean, I could
1: give you an injection of Clorox in your brain; you'd lose a hundred pounds before they pulled the plug. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Well, so <laughs> let's let's <laughs> nail down the science here.
0: And mom jeans are making a comeback. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: Armstrong and Getty, the conscience of the nation.
1: Armstrong and Getty show.
0: On Friday, a man in Wisconsin broke a world record by eating his thirty thousandth Big Mac. 30,000th Big Mac. Yeah. Meanwhile, another man broke a world record by eating at Long John Silver's twice.
1: Come on. how do you stoke your anger at Long John Silver's for this long? It's fine, fried uh, fish
0: product. God, I remember when uh, we were kids when Long John Silver's first hit the scene. I oh, thought it was the greatest thing ever. I
1: couldn't have loved it anymore. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. When I'll you, take some fried shrimp, some fried fish, and just some of the fried. Yeah, they would just give you the fat. Fried gunk, the breading <laughs> fried. That was really a breakthrough. And some through. hush puppies and a fried salad, please. <laughs> and some fried fries and a <laughs> fried Coke.
0: Was that when, I wonder if that's when uh, America crossed the line. <laughs> yes. <laughs> into obesity, when, when restaurants would finally say, you know, people like the taste of fried stuff. Let's just give them the, the crispy stuff. A lot of people eat the crispy good stuff off the fried chicken, don't eat the chicken. Let's just give them the crispy stuff. Right. Even Chris Christie wouldn't eat there. That that may be the trigger
1: of America's obesity crisis, the opening of the first Long John Silvers.
0: Which brings me to this, and this could be a huge breakthrough. So, the Gastric Band, which is uh, playing at the State Fair, I believe, and they're fantastic. They they don't have their original lead singer. Well, their first two albums were fantastic. After that, they got a little flabby. So, I didn't know this, but... (laughs) <laughs> the uh, the gastric band originally the idea was it just makes your stomach smaller and doesn't hold as much food so voila right. you're not going to eat as much but you feel was, full after a few bites but there was a side uh, uh, effect that they didn't anticipate that for most people you desire you don't desire fatty food and sweets and bad stuff as much as you did before and they're not exactly sure why. Mm. But for some reason, that desire for the crappy stuff goes away for people, and that's where they lose their weight. And so they tried to figure out what's causing that hormonal change. They've invented an injection you can get, and um, it uh, Imperial College in London came up with this. It's going to be in one of your big medical journals coming out soon, and they think they'll be able to give you an injection where you could lose uh, four or five pounds a week just by just changing your hormone, your desire for food. Wow. My question is. Of does... it grows a new head off the side of your current one. Right. Or something. Right. Causes a quadrupling the heart attack rate. Um,
1: my question is, uh, does it do anything about the great, incredibly important and discouraging discovery that once you hit a certain weight, your brain wants to be that weight? And if you make it lose weight, your brain is convinced you're starving and will indeed cut back your calorie usage. Uh, your calorie burning, so that you can get back to that weight as fast as possible. Every time you lose weight, it becomes harder and harder to keep the weight off, in effect. Does that injection thing deal with that? No. Well, then you're doomed. I mean, if you want to look good for a while, okay, you're going to pay the price, that it's going to be harder in the future to keep that weight off. Or at least that's the science as I understand it. Yeah. Which, which is incredibly discouraging. Oh, yeah. Well, Unless you just... Stop giving a crap, then. uh, Or you know, you like. Here's my deal. I've, you know, I've figured out what weight I can maintain pretty comfortably. I'm not thin by any means, but I'm not dangerously big because I never got dangerously big. Thank God. Um, Although I'm what? What am I? I'm almost twenty pounds lighter than my heaviest. Um, But uh, getting any lighter than that, I'll trigger that evolutionary
0: response, and it won't do me any good. I don't think. It's that's a frustrating reality.
1: Oh yeah, it's incredibly discouraging, but it is. You know, you just just, that's my thing. I've got to accept it. If it is, it is. Mm. Amen. Which is
0: George Washington's thing for so be it. George Washington's thing that got him through the wars and everything else was Aramaic or something. What is is right. Mm. It's just it just it is. One must accept reality. Yeah. Um. hmm.
1: So don't really have time to talk about the fact that we are clearly, absolutely part of what the New York Times is calling, well, not the New York Times, Barry Weiss, who is a uh, a gal who writes for the New York Times, who's far out of step with most of the people who write for the New York Times, but we're clearly part of what's referred to as the intellectual dark web.
0: Now, I'd heard that term, but I thought it was in reference to, like, um, all the intellectuals li- listening to these podcasts and stuff like well, that. Well, it
1: is, it is, but it's, because uh, they mentioned podcasts, YouTube, Twitter, auditoriums, um, uh, outside of regular culture, but we're one of the, we're a freak show. We're a quote unquote mainstream media outlet and we approach it the way they do, which is, you know, I'm kind of proud of honestly. And, and I wish more people knew about it because I'd like to keep doing it. So. You know, if you like the show, tell your friends, for God's sakes, because they'll yank us and get rid of us as soon as they can. But they all share three distinct qualities. First, they're willing to disagree ferociously, but talk civilly about nearly every meaningful subject. Religion, abortion, immigration, the nature of consciousness, you know, the sex differences, etc. You know, issues of race. Second, in an age in which popular feelings about the way things ought to be often override facts, About the way things actually are, each is determined to resist parroting what's politically convenient. Does that sound familiar? And third, some have paid for this commitment by being purged from institutions that have become increasingly hostile to unorthodox thought and have found receptive audiences elsewhere. That's, you know, the only way in which we differ a little bit, but...
0: Yeah, well, imagine that, that there's a hunger out there for uh, conversations where people say, that's what you think? Hmm, what about this? What about that? No, you've got to scream at them that they
1: must be racist. (laughs) Hey, so there was an hilarious exchange on Morning Joseph. Uh, that we have captured and we'll be breaking down for you. I'm not sure we'll get to it today, but it's on this topic and it's just beautiful.
3: We have captured. I like that. Yes. Well, what's coming up in your news, Marshall? US allies holding an urgent meeting this morning on the Iran deal. We got Attorney General Sessions stepping up zero tolerance for illegals and why some experts think couples will stop having sex by 2030. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Now
0: that's all interesting coming up on the Armstrong and Getty show. Um, oh, got another, uh, a different hashtag me too flashpoint certain joke you can't make
1: among other things coming up. I can think of all sorts of jokes. I shouldn't make.
0: Yeah, me too. I mean, it's called the aristocrat. Oh boy. <laughs> oh golly. Hey, uh, this isn't because all the, uh, you know, it's the first lady. Because we've had male presidents and I don't care about what their wives think. I would feel the same way if Hillary were president. That might be different. If you had a woman president. I do not care what the spouse of presidents do. At all. I want to stop seeing it on my television screen. I want to stop having conversations about it. I want to stop televising their speeches and then breaking them down. We're about
1: 24 hours of coverage of Melania's new initiative.
0: Good lord. Whatever. Oh, we want she, a
1: royal family.
0: Unless she's a Russian spy, which she could be.
1: She may be. Uh,
0: I'm not that interested in what
1: she's doing. Show me your papers. Let's Where get, is she from? French? Is she? What is she, Slovenian? Slovenian, yeah. 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 Mm. What do we know about Slovenia? I don't know. What's their number one export, for instance? Models.
0: Yes. <laughs> Aging <laughs> models. And well done. Here's your news now with Marsha Phillips. Uh,
3: gearing up, European countries involved in the Iran nuclear agreement meeting this morning to underline their support for the deal. Hours before President Trump announces whether he will continue to abide by it, Britain, France, and Germany just issued a statement saying they want to restate their support to the continued full and effective implementation of the agreement by all sides. Thinking I think they're dealing
0: with someone that could change his mind here just hours before he's going to go in front of a camera.
3: I wonder...
1: I wonder. I heard one uh, former admiral dude who was on uh, MSNBC, and they have him on a lot because he's a liberal. Uh, but he just, he, he tends to be flowing in the, MSC, the MSNBC direction. Right. He always agrees with them. But he said one thing I disagreed with. He said, he said, Trump being unpredictable is the last thing we need at the center of American government and foreign policy. And that just is so dumb. Because Trump being unpredictable got us to where we are with North Korea and China right now. I think it's an incredibly useful asset. Obama, for instance, was incredibly predictable. He's not going to do anything. On the other hand, Trump's tendency to... Like, make a major foreign policy move just to be contrary. Right. Just to show what a hard-ass he is. I don't think there's any use for that. And I just haven't heard him or anybody in the administration explain what good it would do to unilaterally withdraw from this flawed agreement. Yeah, it's flawed. Maybe it even sucks. But what good would it do? They haven't explained that. And I don't see any good it would do. So it just seems like... Well, I was bitching about it on the campaign trail and acting the hard ass over it, so I guess I got to pull out of it. No, you don't. Your your supporters know you made all sorts of crazy promises, and it was fun. It was enjoyable. Your rallies were entertaining. But
3: that doesn't mean you have to do this. Trump says he's going to make uh, his uh, decision public uh, at 11 o'clock this morning, West Coast time. And now in other news... In other news... And there was the earthquake. 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 We're experiencing an earthquake, earthquake. Still happening. Still happening. Magnitude 4.5 earthquake rock in Southern California is before 5 this morning. The USGS says it was centered about 100 miles east of LA in the Inland Empire, and then there a magnitude 3.2 quake was recorded just minutes after that. So far, no injuries or any damage have been reported, but people felt the shaking from the desert to the Pacific coast. We're experiencing an earthquake, please. I appreciate the good manners. Thank you. Indeed. U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions says his zero-tolerance policy against anybody who enters the country illegally may cause parents to be separated from their children. Sessions was speaking in San Diego, saying the Homeland Security Department will send every case of illegal entry now to federal prosecutors. The parents will be held in custody, while the children would be released to the U.S. Health and Human Services Department. Imagine
0: sneaking into a foreign country with your whole family. And if they don't keep you together feeling like they've done something awful. Screeching that it's a homer- <laughs> it's, human it's rights so
1: violation. crazy. Yeah. The whole thing is crazy. It's, it's so all, crazy. all a mirrors and hypocrisy.
3: Sessions, warning. If you're smuggling a child, then we're going to prosecute you. And that child will be separated from you, probably, as required by law. You uh, know- if you don't want your child to be separated, then don't bring them across the border mm-hmm. illegally. That's a good it's point. not our fault.
1: Amen. It's and not our fault. That's
0: a good point. So yeah. listen,
1: ninety percent of the principle that's cited on you know your day to day political battles is just horse crap. I mean, for instance, I got several for instances for you. The um, everybody uh, uh, caterwauling about the Logan Act, back that. Trump's incoming national security team was contacting the Russian ambassador. And that's a violation of the Logan Act, where you can't conduct foreign policy. the Oh, please. That was hilarious at the time. And now John Kerry's ooching around the globe, trying to save the Iran deal. And nobody on the left cares. You're hypocrites and liars. And, you know, there's plenty of it in the immigration thing. But Barack Obama, he could not get the DACA thing passed. And he said 22 times he couldn't implement it unilaterally. Then he went ahead and did it. And then when the next president says, I want to undo this, everybody howls like it's some sort of nightmare of Hitlerian overreach. Oh, please stop. And then and speaking of Barack Obama and his tendency yeah. to go around the regular way to do things. The Iran nuclear deal—he couldn't get it through Congress as a treaty, so he just did it as a, you know, an agreement. It's an act. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, it's a handshake deal. And now somebody comes along and talks about dismantling it. If he'd gone to the trouble of settle, selling it to the Congress and getting it ratified as a treaty, then he wouldn't have to worry about this stuff. So your brave leader, who is so good at shortcuts, is, is reaping a lot of what he sowed. But please stop with your.
3: You're caterwauling about, you know, principle. I just don't believe you. Turns out that all the time you spend watching Netflix is having an impact on your sex life, and not in the Netflix and chill way you might expect. A new study from researchers at Lancaster University in the UK analyzed evidence from nearly 400 devices showing that peak electricity usage is now much later than it used to be. Between 10 p.m. and 11 p.m., Thanks to all the streaming services like Netflix, YouTube, and others. It is believed the findings could support a theory from the University of Cambridge professor David Spiegelhalter, who says couples are less interested in sex because they're watching TV in bed, and he goes as far as predicting by the year 2030, couples will not have sex at all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to get a headline.
3: A roundabout way.
0: That's well, your new My 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 experience on earth would lead me to believe that uh, no man would choose a TV show over sex if the opportunity existed and uh, and and women aren't uh, so casual about whether or not they have sex. And I'll either have sex or watch a show. That just doesn't seem to be the way it's worked to me throughout my life and a number of experiences. One man's experience. One man's experience.
3: There you go. A then. brave little man fighting alone <laughs> against the tides of something or other. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Professor's just mad because he's not getting any. That's yes, so probably at least, what's going on there. At least in academia, you got
0: to watch out for some of the jokes that you make. A joke was made on an elevator at the Hilton in San Francisco. It's oh causing no. legal problems for one professor. No, I'm telling you. So stay tuned for that. As we get our... I was about to say get our panties in a wad, but that might be something you can't say. <laughs> My regular underwear, my Duluth Trading Company underwear, are in a wad over this one. <laughs> oh, no.
1: I appreciate you moving away from your misogynistic reference to women's undergarments. Exactly. As if they're inferior. I'd be terrified if I was in academia right now. You just gotta walk. It's like Maoist China. You can't say the wrong thing. You'd be
0: hauled before the, the board of review. The tribunal. Exactly. What was the joke? You've probably heard this joke before yourself. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So, Saturday Night Live apparently does uh, more sketches than will fit on the show. And uh, and now, in the modern world, they post them on their website. And sometimes they catch on. They didn't think they were good enough for the show or something. Anyway, mm. then they make the rounds. This was a, a fake NBA promo that they did, mocking the fact that LeBron James is playing with a bunch of people that aren't that good. Which, which he is. It's LeBron James and a bunch of people that couldn't find a job anywhere else in the NBA. But I thought this was kind of fun.
1: The Cavaliers Playoffs 2018 We run this league Nothing gonna stop LeBron James Everybody knows
0: about LeBron
2: But don't forget about us The other Cavaliers
0: And whatever LeBron needs, we'll get it done As long as what he needs isn't basketball But
1: we've got everything else covered Every time LeBron makes a free throw I'm right there with that high five like There you go LeBron I always got LeBron's back and his shoulders. I hold LeBron's third and fourth cell phone. You know that thing where you roll the ball up the
0: court to save time? I'm pretty good at that. (laughs) And I only play in blue jeans. I average zero points, zero assists, six personal fouls. I sweep up LeBron's chop. I run the pick and roll. That's when I pick up LeBron's laundry and roll it on over to his house. (laughs) So it goes on like that. Wow. It's kind of funny. Wow, that can't help team morale. And they swept the number one seed in the East last night by 35 points. And again, it was not as close as the score indicates. Wow. (laughs)
1: That's crazy. It just goes to show you how ridiculous the NBA regular season is, is, too.
0: Especially for LeBron James. How little does he care about the middle of the. the, uh, Heading to his. You know, maybe 8th straight finals. And 12th yeah, but you over. might
1: not get home court advantage. <laughs> Whatever. Check it
0: around. No, he doesn't care. So a couple of things I've come across. I'll do that joke. I noticed this in USA Today yesterday. They didn't invent this. This, is, this happens now and then. People take out... They pay for ads, and then they try to make them look like a page of the newspaper. Mm -hmm. And they try to trick you into reading their stories that are advertisements and thinking, oh, that's a news story. I guess. That's fine. It's a little duplicitous, and I always think that ain't, you know, I don't really like the company doing that. But then in this case, Wells Fargo paid for a two-full-page ad in the USA Today so that when you're thumbing through it. You think you're just in the middle of the newspaper and reading stories, and they're all about how Wells Fargo has really turned it around, and analysts think Wells Fargo is back on track. And oh, good. Their customer uh, um, um, uh, focus is the new thing at Wells Fargo, and I thought, if you're, if the knock on you is you've been cheating people, lying people, ripping people off, pretending to be something you're ain't. A top to bottom culture of criminality. And then you pay a gazillion dollars to take out fake news stories and make, that are actually ads. That is not helping your look. That doesn't make me think, oh well, Wells Fargo has really changed their culture. They're not, they're not into trying to fool people anymore. Uh, wow.
1: Now, are all those faux articles like legit reprints of other
0: news no, outlets? No, 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 no. These are just full on. Oh, my God. Yeah, these are just full on uh, 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 propaganda pieces that they wow. wrote to try to make it look like news stories. Wow. New Wells Fargo structure focused on customer experience, quote, change for the better. Why that doesn't seem at all like a criminal enterprise continuing to right. screw people. Continuing to think that they can just trick people whenever they want. Yeah. Unbelievable. Boy, you misread the room on that one, Wells Fargo. Nice. Is anybody else talking about that? I haven't heard it. No, me neither. It's They're probably pretty, afraid of them. It, I don't know how many people even catch that those are ads. Do they have, like, advertisement
1: written, like, in small print at in, the top? Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. See, this is what it lo- It looks exactly like you're thumbing through the page. Just at the top, in small print, it says advertisement. But who... The only reason oh, I oh look there,
1: well, it's it's kind of not at the top of the page, but under the page number and the date and all, and above the headlines in a little bar, it says advert, you wouldn't even it looks, look no,
0: there. It, no. Wow. I don't think most people catch on. They're trying to trick you. Right. Wells Fargo, still trying to trick you. Wow. Interesting. So, nice job, Wells Fargo. There you go. So here you go. Stage
1: coaches veering into the ditch of
0: deceit. The world of academia has a small scale furor on its hands, I'm reading now. Over a joke told in a crowded elevator. It played out recently at a Hilton in San Francisco. Well, how can I show my virtue if I'm not constantly outraged about other people? During the annual conference of the International Studies Association, whatever that is. Sounds made up. When someone called out a request for floors, so they got on the elevator. And this is a classic joke, right? Especially for an old guy. 76-year-old professor Richard Need Needlebo said, Ladies' lingerie. Or maybe women's lingerie. Nobody's exactly sure which he said. Yeah. But that's a common thing. It's a Bugs Bunny joke. Yes, it is. It's as old as the hills. You get on an elevator, say women's lingerie. Fourth next floor. floor yeah. <laughs> women's lingerie. Uh, Men's wear. Well, a female professor by the name of Samora Sharoni took offense and lodged a complaint with the International Studies Association, whatever that is. Lebo, who teaches political theory at King's College London, tried to defuse the situation by, by writing a letter to her. She teaches women's studies. Oh, there you go. There Mer- you go. At Merrimack College in Massachusetts. I've heard enough. Absolutely he, hilarious. He teaches something called political theory, which is a real thing. She teaches at women's studies, which is not, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, I disagree. I've been doing it at bars for many That's nights. That's true. <laughs> um... Studying women is not women's studies. He 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 wrote a letter saying he meant no offense. You would think that the fact that he had to do that is crazy. But you think it could end there?
1: It's Maoist.
0: Uh, He added that he was worried that her frivolous complaint might detract from the investigation of more serious offenses that are going out there.
1: You think?
0: Yeah. Like here's here's an
1: illustration of that, dear. Uh, Because I'm not sure you can comprehend this. You will never, ever say anything about women, women's rights, misogyny, discrimination uh, that I can ever take seriously. You have completely undermined your credibility. And I mean completely, as in you have none and never will anymore.
0: So he wrote her that letter and said that her frivolous complaint might actually distract from the investigation of more serious things, which is clearly true. Well, the I, well, the ISA... The, what was that again? The International Studies Association, whatever that is, came down against Lebo, criticizing both his original joke and his subsequent characterization of the complaint as frivolous and demanded that he apologize in person. He refused, saying this is political correctness run amok.
1: Yes, it is. You people have made yourselves hilarious. You are hilarious. Uh,
0: Shroni told columnist Ruth Marcus...
1: My, my, my Ow!
0: Everybody da, ba, was thinking. Bum, bum, bump,
3: bump, bump. We were all thinking it. That's
0: right. He told Ruth Marcus of the Washington Post, who originally broke the story, breaking the story oh, of the lingerie
3: yeah, joke on journalism. the
0: elevator, that the cry of political correctness is too often a dodge used by people to get away with offensive behavior. Ah! You're hilarious, too! This is the best comedy act since Abbott and Costello. Since the Marx Brothers. Uh, Marcus in the Washington Post, mostly to her credit, in my opinion, uh, sees fault on both sides. She shouldn't have leaped to file a grievance. He shouldn't have added fuel to the fire by calling it frivolous. Yes, he should. Good for him. Way to go, old man. Way to have some spine. Ultimately, and though, cower
1: in the face of this bull crap. Ultimately,
0: Marcus sides with Lebo in the Washington Post uh, article about it, calling Sharoni's complaint counterproductive.
1: So there you go. Please. D- even meeting her half t- halfway is an act of cowardice. It's not an act of intellectual honesty or being fair. If somebody is completely out of their mind, call
0: them on it. Ladies' lingerie, fourth floor. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Really? Okay. Uh, socialism's making a comeback. Joe brought us some of the statistics last week. It's uh, it's uh, continuing to be troubling. Yes, I have the numbers behind the numbers. It actually is making a comeback on the Armstrong and Getty Show.